radio you can believe in. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On talk radio and talk TV. Speaking common sense unto the nation. Listen on your smart speaker. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On DAB Plus, on the app, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, it is Wednesday, of course, and we will be uh, celebrating uh, and uh, commemorating this afternoon once more uh, as the King and his sons will walk behind the Queen's coffin uh, as she leaves Buckingham Palace for the final time ahead of her lying in state at Westminster Hall for five nights ahead of the state funeral, of course, on Monday. Uh, welcome to Talk TV. We'll bring you everything as it happens. We'll be visiting the queues this morning. There are people forming queues all over the place, people sleeping out overnight last night. Uh, uh, the Queen's coffin was brought from uh, our, from from the RAF base where it, where she landed, brought into town through down Park Lane, uh, down Constitution Hill, into Buckingham Palace. It was quite a moving experience just watching it as the rain fell uh, and thousands of people actually lined the route. It was quite extraordinary. Rupert Bell joins us, Talk Radio's royal correspondent, who's been uh, with us really for the last several days and almost a week now. Rupert, uh, welcome once more. Um, another big day today. Uh, the royal family will walk with the Queen's coffin to Westminster. Thousands of people already on the streets. The weather's sort of a little bit better today than it was yesterday. But but let's talk about last night, because that was quite a moving uh, spectacle itself, wasn't it? Yes. And bearing in mind, in the hearse, specially built hearse, and with the Queen's approval. So Mm. she had signed off on what what the uh, car was to look like, Mm. and obviously had the lights so that it gave everyone a chance to see the coffin uh, draped in the royal standard with the uh, bouquet of flowers mm. on top, um, so everyone could see it. And obviously, under the lights and dark, it just had a an extra impact it for did. the people who were down there. And it's all part of the, you know, this is what is everything is worked out in with a minute detail, mm. and even to the extent of the hearse having to be with the lights and everything yeah. would, uh, over the years, and especially adapted. I think Jaguar and Land Rover um, got together and mm. worked out to produce this vehicle for this occasion. Yes, and it it, it certainly was. And it's sort of a one. It's one of a kind. I yeah. mean, there may be a, a spare one, I suppose, <laughs> just in case it breaks down. But. Well, there, there will always be a spare. Yes. I can assure you. Yes. it's like they had two planes on standby mm. yesterday. Yeah, just in case one wasn't serviceable for whatever reason. Yeah. So you know, every bit of detail is thought out and contingency plans. Mm. If what happens if? Yes, um, and. Yes, it one of the, the set-piece occasions, seeing her drive from North Holt yesterday down the A40 and people sort of stopping their cars when knowing it was coming past on the A40, getting out so that they could yeah. pay their respects at the moment the uh, cortege passed. It's been all part of what's been an amazing... And the road was presumably cleared for them as well. Well, only the one side. Yeah. Um, obviously, the inbound side mm. of, of the A40. But yeah. it's really been a testament since ever sh- uh, the, the cortege left Balmoral mm. Um, you've seen the people making efforts. Of course, we saw the line, line of horses. We saw the tractors mm. out in the countryside. But everyone trying to find a way to pay their respect as yeah. the cortege went on its way. And that's what we've seen throughout. And uh, we saw it in, in Scotland magnificently, uh, beginning the first part of the journey and obviously now uh, continuing on our way. And we'll have this afternoon, Mike, one of the sort of set-piece mm. occasions of the funeral um, sort of period obviously the walk from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall to begin that lying in state. Yes and let's hope the rain stays off but there was a, mm. a very large number of people out last night considering the weather. Oh, well 
you know, I don't think people are not going to miss it. Mm. And what's a bit of rain if you're going to have a chance to be there and see something like that? You know, it, it sort of probably almost added to the mystique. We've seen those wonderful scenes on sunny Scotland mm. and, the, you know, the photograph of that shaft of light as they began the walk up yeah. of the Royal Mile. What we were seeing yesterday is another part of it, the sort of darkness, mm. but then it illuminated even more uh, the coffin yes. and added to the sort of sense of occasion for the people who were there. And that, mm. that's what I've uh, you, you take away from last yeah. night. And it, there was a lovely bit when they drove into Buckingham Palace. You see the police outriders mm. on their motorcycles as they parked up just in front there, line by line. But as the coffin drove past, there they were on their motorcycles, mm. head bowed. Yeah. And that was, again, sort of all adds to the solemnity. Yes. But the magnificence of the occasion and the chance for people to give the, you know, the due respect the Queen deserves. Yes, and, and so many people want to do it, don't they? I mean, it's, I've been mm. quite surprised, really. And I don't know why I'm surprised, but the fact that so many people will be now beginning to queue up for what could be 20 hours, 25 well, hours, 30 hours, I mean, it's extraordinary. And I think because we're in, you know, when we think the last funeral, it wasn't the media age. So mm. it wasn't, you know... We're, Obviously, since the announcement, well, since basically Thursday morning when we knew the Queen was ill, um, it obviously has been, you know, at the forefront of every bit of reporting across the nation, mm. globe almost. Yeah. Um, and yet, so therefore, there is a sort of, it adds to the, you all want to be part of this occasion if you are, and, and to pay your respect. Um, even probably not the st most staunch monarchist yes. feels that the Queen has still been part of their their lives just like my life, mm. all the time, and I know nothing else. And no. I feel it is, you know, it could be, I'm, I'm not, unfortunately, I won't be queuing, mm. but I can see why people do want to yeah. queue, because, uh, and for all sorts of reasons. But also a lot of people, I think, now are coming into London just to sort of walk around. They might not be queuing to actually walk past the coffin, but they'll go to Buckingham Palace or, you know, they might walk through Green Park, St James's Park, just to sort of pick up. Because I'm told I haven't actually been down there myself because I've been too busy working, but um, there's apparently an amazing atmosphere. Well, I think sometimes people, you know, when you want to go to a big occasion, I'm not trying to make, you know, there's nothing compares to this, but sometimes people want to go to, um, I don't know, World Cup final, but they yeah. can't. But they just want to be where uh, it is. Yeah, I right. mean, I'm, you know, that's a sort of slightly trite example. But you get the no, feeling. No, I know what you mean. You just to be part of and savour the atmosphere. So go and watch it on a big screen, the yeah. football match. But in this case, you feel well. London's at the heart of it, and be around everybody else, and go just even. You know, there's a tourist element now about the one way they've left all these flowers, yeah. and they've all been made now. It's, it's, pictures of people avenues of flowers mm. that you almost acting as the way you walk around yes. green park buckingham palace it is an ex so there there's an element of that mm. to it and people reading it, it's sort of grown exponentially yeah. and i think that's what's probably the people who are managing the whole thing are going every day trying to review right this crowd situation is yes. How do we manage? How do we make sure everyone feels mm. that we're not pressurising them to do something? And right. this queue is going to be a difficult thing to manage. Yeah, because there's security implications as well, isn't there? Because I think yesterday when we were told that it was beginning uh, on the other side of Lambeth Bridge, on the south side of Lambeth Bridge, people were then going to be sort of marched through across the bridge mm. and into that sort of set of gardens by, by uh, the Houses of Parliament, mm. where apparently there would be some kind of security. Well, there has to be. Yeah. I mean, you'll be checked as you go through... Um, you know, in the modern day and age we live in, there has to be. Mm. So there will be proper security checks as you go through. 
But obviously, they're going to have to make sure they do it thoroughly and properly, but at the same time, quickly, yeah. because they obviously know they need to get as many people through as is as possible. And they say, right, maybe up, up to 400,000. Mm. That might, because they had 26,000 in Edinburgh yes. in that, what was it, about 24-hour period. Right. Um, no, it's a lot of people, isn't it? A lot of I mean, people. It's a small football stadium, or quite a big football stadium. I mean, it's sort of yeah. Sanford Bridge isn't much bigger than that. Well, I mean, you know, we forty twenty six thousand filing through mm. and managing that, and again, it it will be a and actually where it is Westminster Hall, one of the great iconic halls in mm. the world. You yeah. know, it's an amazing and has got had so much history take place amazing in that history. Yeah, amazing. You know, think of. You know, King Charles II yeah. uh, all came to the threat. That was proclamation when basically the parliament then sort of took over basically mm. the control of the country, yes. but with the king just as a head of state back Didn't in Cromwell 16... kind of start his movement in there as well? well uh, yeah, I think King Charles I was tried in there. Yeah. So um, the, the symbolism of that mm. place is extraordinary. It's obviously where they lie in state. And what it adds to it, you'll have the four um, people surrounding it, members of various organisations, household uh, soldiers and other uh, sort of organisations mm. standing around it in, as people file past. I think there will be another Prince's Vigil uh, down there as well. Yes. Um, so does, it, it's going to be, again, a very emotional place for, for many yeah. and also probably... Going through it, you know, for those people who are queuing, I think it will feel very special because it's going to take it them. It will. Once I'm sure you they'll get there. feel like very much a part of history. We can see mm. if you're looking at our screens right now, we can see the queues sort of building around Lambeth Bridge on the south side of the river. You can see uh, the Houses of Parliament in the background. One quick question about the, the vigil. I was told yesterday that the vigil itself, uh, if it is held, will include Prince Andrew wearing military regalia because he'd be given a sort of special dispensation. Harry hasn't. Neither one of them will wear it to the actual mm. funeral. Is that right? Yeah, that's the only time that the Duke of York will wear and has been, in a sense, been given permission to. Harry obviously put out a statement yesterday saying, you know, uh, his sense that he does, whatever he wears is irrelevant. Mm. And that's just probably, in a way, trying to diffuse the situation. Mm. And people might say, well, he was a, um, a served... In Afghanistan, a committed soldier, mm. and probably some of the happiest times he had in his life was mm. when he was in the army uh, and no, and a helicopter pilot uh, of some repute. Yet, um, because he's no longer an HRH and no longer a working mm. royal, those are the rules. And, you know, unfortunately, but people say, well, why can't they just be a bit flexible? Well, that that's for the royal household to look yeah, at. Yeah, and maybe why. he said what he said because he doesn't want to make it all about him and he wants to make it clear that actually he's not asking for that. Yeah, I think that there's an element to that. We've got to quite, give him the credit, yeah, benefit of the doubt here so. and, and actually say, this. okay, no, no, I'm not going to make a fuss and bother mm. about this. I'm going to... Let's just get on with it. Well, we will be getting on with it. <laughs> 2.22 is when the Queen's Coffin will leave Buckingham Palace. 2.22, very specific time. It reaches Westminster Hall at 3pm and there'll be a service lasting around 20 minutes led by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Rupert Bell will be in attendance, of course, all day with us here at uh, Talk TV. Rupert, thank you very much for the moment. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll be taking your calls. We'll be asking you about uh, the stoppages as well and the closures on Monday because why is it uh, that so many things are going to be shut? I don't think that's right, do you? This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk TV. We are here with you uh, throughout the day uh, at 2.22. As we said earlier, the Queen's coffin will leave Buckingham Palace and is expected to arrive at Westminster Hall at 3pm. There are already quite a few queues forming uh, from Lambeth Bridge over into Westminster. Uh, there will be queues and there will be security organised around there. We'll be crossing live to those queues uh, as soon as we can uh, to get the views of some of the people there who are likely to be waiting possibly as many hours as 24 hours before they get in to actually see the coffin inside Westminster Hall, a very uh, historic place and a very historic moment, I think, for the country. So we'll come to all of that. First, though, Candice Holdsworth is here, uh, writer, of course, Spikes Online. Candice, welcome. Thank you very much for coming in. Um, what did you see on your way in? Because that's a question I'm going to be asking people, I guess, because parts of London are you know, under um, siege, I suppose you might say, from tourists and from people who have just come to have a look and see what's happening. Where we are, not so much, but other people are just going to work as normal. What did you see? Yeah, things seem to be working as normal, but the traffic was very heavy. Was it? Yes, it was. Um, it actually amazed me, though, just kind of seeing how normal everything was, even mm. though we are in this unprecedented moment. Right. People are still going to work, yeah. going about their lives, dealing with all their ordinary daily worries. And this is why I find it quite extraordinary that we're hearing that, that some people want everything to shut down on Monday so that everything's closed. You know, pubs are closed, hotels are closed, shops are closed, you know, trains don't work. I mean, they can't possibly be serious, can they? And shockingly, even doctors mm. are cancelling appointments. Yeah. I mean, for me, that is just unconscionable. I mean, how can you put a sick person mm. through that level of uncertainty? Yes. There's just pe patients nowadays, I feel like, are being treated with a real carelessness. Yeah. You know, no one's thinking about how this actually affects them to have appointments put back a month yeah. when they're ill with very serious things and like cancer. And it's probably taken three or four months or maybe longer to actually get the appointment. Yes, and this is just becoming so commonplace now, and people are just getting used to it. It's becoming the new normal that we can just count on people to mm. be unreliable right. rather than reliable. <clears throat> it is am amazing that they think they can just shut everything down. Like, you know, Julie was talking about pubs and restaurants and hospitality uh, op operations, and those people are, are the, you know, the, the, the tourism and this kind of event is the lifeblood of that sort of business, isn't it? Of course it is. Things don't just stop. You mm. can't just suspend animation. Everything has to carry on. I mean, I know people who are business owners yeah. who are a bit angry actually that this was just called last minute because that means that no one has any childcare, right. no one can get anything done and right. of course it's a really important day and I know that people want to be respectful but I just feel like there is a, a culture of this now where yeah. things can just be called off at the last minute mm. with no notice yeah. and everyone's just supposed to deal with it. It's like this, this slacker culture that's yes. developing. It is any excuse not to go to work it would seem, right? I think so, and I think the lockdown made it worse. Yeah. And I mean, people are even saying this in schools and mm. universities. I mean, there was a really, really sad article in The Times about a university professor who said his latest cohort of students, they are so disengaged. Mm. He said half of them don't turn up to lectures. Right. The ones that do just stare at their computers. Right. He said that is just a complete break from what he's used to because right. he's a politics lecturer, so he's used to students being really passionate. And debating, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, coming to, he said in the past, not coming to lectures was a serious thing. I mean, yeah. you could be contacted about that. Now it's the norm. <clears throat> they just sit at home, they sit on their computers. And they'll say, presumably, quite happily, well, we didn't go to any lectures for two years and it didn't seem to matter, so why, why does it matter now? Exactly. Well, it's also the lecturers, I mm. think, that have set the bad example, because many of them were very, very happy for everything to go fully remote, and yeah. so they just, they've created this culture now. The thing is, people take, the students will take their lead from the professors. Mm. If the professors aren't showing that they're engaged and they're turning up for them, then the students won't either. They they can sense 
that the adults around them are yeah. just letting them down. And the NHS that we've talked about before, which is not very operational on the weekend anyway, is just now going to have a three-day weekend, I presume. Yes. I mean, a lot of people have said, why are GPs closed mm. over the weekend? I mean, yeah. people don't not get ill right. on the weekend. And what happens is A&E ends up taking the, the burden. I mean, at my local hospital, hospital Barnet, they've now divided it into A&E and just urgent care. Right. Because they've had to, right? Yeah. Because people who are ill but aren't necessarily in a life or death situation are turning up to A&E. But they need, <clears throat> they need to be given something or they need to be given some yes. medication. They need to be examined yes. in one way or another. And, and, you know, to have nowhere to go is mad. It is. Or you can go see a private GP and pay £80 a pop, yes. which a lot of people just can't afford. Right. And the private GPs are getting booked up as well. So mm. I've got the, the Babylon app. Oh, yeah. And we wanted to book it because I had a suspicious bruise mm. on my leg. Okay. Um, nothing. Nothing for days. Well, you couldn't actually get an appointment at all, even privately? Nope. Because wow. it, Because so many people will use it on the mm. weekend. That was quite shocking to me because that came in so handy yeah. during the lockdown when we needed to ask about something. Right. We couldn't get a face-to-face GP appointment, so we were using the Babylon uh-huh. app. But now, presumably, lots of people are using it. Yes. And the same goes as well for shops. You know, there are some people urging supermarkets to shut down for the day. Which again, you know, I'm sorry, but it's a sort of emergency service selling food, isn't it? You can't not sell food. Mm. But I remember that happened um, during uh, when Princess Diana died and people were put under huge pressure to shut their shops. And if they didn't, I mean, they were told off, why haven't you shut your shop down? I mean, people just don't understand that not everyone can be frozen in one emotional state. Mm. The world has to carry on. Yes. And there are plenty of people who are listening to this even as we speak uh, who are saying, oh, not again, another day of listening to you talking about the royal family. It's a massive event. It's an historic event. We need to talk about it. But, yeah, there are other people um, who are still going to work and going about their daily business. They're not glued to the television. You know, unfortunately, if you are, you should be glued to us. But, you know, um, people are, as you say, going about their daily business. They need to be able to access services. They need to be able to go to a petrol station and get petrol. You know, what are you going to do? Shut the petrol stations? They say they're going to suspend roadworks, which is the only good piece of news. Uh, And I'm told cyclists have been told that they shouldn't go out uh, and cycle in large groups, which is great news for me. We'll find out more details on that as as, as they come. But I'll tell you what we would like to to ask the people listening and watching our our show at the moment is that if you have had something cancelled, if you have had an appointment cancelled or a doctor's appointment or a medical procedure cancelled because it's Monday, a bank holiday for the Queen's funeral, we'd love to hear from you. So tell us your stories. What have you found um, talking to people generally, Candice, just around and about? You know, are people talking about it still? Are are you finding people sort of split into two different groups? Well, I don't know if I'm in a bit of a bubble, but a lot Mm. of the people I've spoken to are quite moved by it. And and some people who actually I would not have expected have said, no, I'm I'm a really strong royalist. Mm. They've said that they want to go down to the queen lying in state. But I think a lot of people, myself included, are actually thinking, is this practical? Because they're saying that the waits are going to be something like 35 hours. Most people cannot take that time out. I mean, there's no way I can. I've got small kids. Number one, I couldn't stand in a queue for that long. you couldn't take the children either, could you? No. And also, I can't just be missing in action Mm. for 35 hours. I mean, my husband has to work. He has to do things. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like people are, they're mourning the Queen, they think that this is a, a very momentous time, but there's also a sense that things need to carry on, things mm. need to run. Yeah. This is why I think it was such a bad decision that they didn't allow the royal train 
to bring her down from Edinburgh because I think maybe that could have allowed people to line up along the routes. Yes. Maybe taken pressure what, off take London. It, like, take it four days to do it or something, you mean? Do you think, would it have taken four days? Well, they could have taken four yeah. days to do it. They could have elongated it, if you like. They could something have stopped like that. in certain places for a few hours, I guess. I mean, Peter Hitchens was writing about it yesterday in the I mail. did. I read his, his piece yeah. and he was talking about the precedent with people like um, Kennedy mm. and how many people actually came out yeah. and how moving it was. I just think having everyone descend on London mm. is also a bit of a logistical nightmare. Yes. I mean, I don't know how much pressure would have been taken off, but it would have taken some maybe pressure. They've worked, maybe they've worked out that for the policing of the event, it's better mm. for it to all to be happening in one particular place, even though they've said they're not even sure they can get enough police into town to do it all. Because, like I was saying earlier to Rupert Bell, there's a massive security operation because anybody who does go in to Westminster Hall will have to be um, searched, will have to be in some way screened, you know, for, for, uh, for security purposes. So if you can imagine an airport security business uh, with as many people as there are going to be doing this, it could take forever. This, these are the times we're living in. Mm. I mean, at one point, flying was a pleasure. Yeah. It was a luxury experience. I remember experience. those days. I haven't, it hasn't been a pleasure for quite a long time. No. You're now sort of happy if you can manage to get in and out of an airport within an hour. Oh, it's an incredibly you know? unpleasant experience. Yeah. I mean, I went to Italy finally for, for a holiday in August and it was literally a surprise that it, it, it was so smooth, you know, yes. because we were expecting massive queues. We were expecting them to lose our luggage. We were expecting to be late. We were yes. expecting to have a massive queue at either end of the, the journey. And actually, it was all fine. Yes, but isn't it? But that's another thing. I mean, what's happening on Monday? If you're flying somewhere on Monday, can you fly somewhere on Monday? Can you go anywhere? Well, I don't know. I mean, Centre Parks was telling people to just suspend their yeah. holidays and just go that home for the day. Bizarre. They've now reversed the decision, but Centre Parks were telling people to basically check out of their um, uh, holiday and, what, come back the next day? Where are you supposed to go? That's just abandoning rationality. I mean, yeah. you like to think that the people running things know what they're doing. Yeah. But actually, things like this prove maybe not. But but this is why I was asking Julia earlier, you know, who are these people who are telling us that we must shut everything down? I mean, in, in, inevitably, there will be public sector organisations because they always shut everything down. Schools are going to shut down, you know, hospitals are going to shut down. Um, you know, I don't know if trains are going to be... Surely they're going to have to operate some trains in order to get people in and out of the capital. There, 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 there seems to be this current now in society, and it, it just seems empowered ever mm. since the lockdown. It's OK to cancel. It's OK to just come up with some excuse yeah. not to run things. Right. It's like lower and lower and lower standards, and yeah. we're just being taught to accept them. Just accept lower standards, mm. accept more unpleasant experiences. Yeah. Your train well, won't be running. We, yeah, how many times have we heard that, that phrase when people we would talk to about travelling abroad and stuff? They said, well, you just have to get there four hours ahead of time. Well, why? I'm sorry, that's not a holiday to me. We're not going to do it. Uh, Candice Holdsworth is here. We want to take your calls as well. So if you have had something disrupted, particularly if it's an NHS scenario, we'd love to hear your story. If they've cancelled your doctor's appointment, cancelled your surgery, uh, do call us. 0344-499-1000. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're talking uh, with Candice Holdsworth from Spikes Online. Um, Candice, yesterday we had an interesting debate about the whole issue of free speech and people being arrested for uh, either shouting um, things at uh, various members of the royal family or indeed holding up placards down in Westminster. Julie Hartley Brewer was very um, much in favour of them being allowed to do that. I was very much against it. We had some great callers 
Um, Laura Dodsworth was here. She had a different view on it. What's your take on on whether people should be allowed to protest in the way that they have been? I think they should be allowed to protest. But the thing that I'm a little bit sceptical of is all these new converts to the free speech movement. Yes. I mean, how deep does their commitment to free speech go? And I wonder how long it will actually last when it's an opinion that they don't like. Yes. Because right now they're being quite righteous about what they think. But where were they before Mm. when gender critical feminists are being arrested for professing opinions on Twitter that are completely Mm. in line with biological reality? I don't think they're anywhere to be seen. Will they be seen in the future when another person who they fervently disagree with is being arrested or Mm. deleted or shut down? I wonder if they'll be quite quiet then. Yes, I mean, there's not that many free speech advocates who will openly say, I don't like what this guy does, I don't like what he stands for, but I will uh, absolutely stand behind his right to say whatever it is he says. Most of them never say that. Um, We're just seeing Prince Charles, King Charles, I should say, entering Buckingham Palace uh, in a car. Uh, He'll have gone there, obviously, from presumably Clarence House, which is where they stay, Um, and that will begin, uh, I suppose, the the collection of royal members of the royal family for 222 when they leave Buckingham Palace and uh, walk behind the Queen's coffin so we'll keep you uh, updated on all of that. Yes I mean we were saying yesterday that um, some of these people are deliberately provoking a situation and there are certain laws in place that can contain that for example in Scotland they do have um, you know a different law to the one we have in England um, and so you can be arrested for shouting things at people if it's considered to be hateful in the same way that uh, in England you can be considered to be breaching the peace or in breach of a public order offence if in fact you're being deliberately provocative. Yeah, I think there are boundaries governing free speech by the law, as long as they are good laws. Um, We were talking earlier about the Westboro Baptist Church in America who used to picket soldiers' funerals. Yes. And obviously their right to to protest and to speak is protected by the First Amendment Mm. in the US. So they were able to picket the funerals, but always at a distance. And I think that that was for their own safety more than anything else. Yes, I think so. And I mean, there are some people who said that the people who were taken out of, uh, of crowds by the police was that was also sort of an act of, of protection for those individuals but again i mean you wouldn't encourage anyone to you know be violent towards somebody who was protesting and they shouldn't be doing it but i think there is a decency element to it isn't there that that, that it's you have the right to do it but it is 100 percent inappropriate to mm. scream at a morning sun yeah when he's walking behind his mother's coffin. I do not think that is the time and place to do it. I do wonder, though, if we should challenge those people, though, through our own speech. Mm. I mean, the former member of the Westboro Baptist Church, Megan Phelps, actually said it was people who challenged her. They actually came to a demonstration that she was at, and they would talk to her and engage with her about her ideas. And it actually caused her whole worldview Mm. to collapse. She realized that a lot of the things that she'd been thinking and the way that she'd been approaching it was wrong. I mean, that guy who was screaming at Prince Andrew someone did film him they went up to him and they said why are you doing Mm. this and he sort of shouted out his reasons Mm. i would actually like to say to him why did you choose to do it this way you know why are you doing this and engage with them and figure out maybe there's a way that he can do it um that's appropriate but that can also sort of satisfy whatever Mm. his concerns are but i also said yesterday and i wonder if this is true that we've got the sort of uh twitterization of reality that people who would do something on Twitter now think they can just go and do it in real life. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that great Australian um, sort of short film that was made of this is what Facebook would be like if people actually did it in real life. And there's a guy walking down the street and this, and this guy just starts following him, you know, and talking to him and shouting at him. And then he puts a sort of a, a, a gate between them and so he's effectively blocked him. And it's all about how 
you would actually interact with people in real life if you did to them what you do on social media. And I wonder if people are kind of empowered by that. Yeah, I think the normal social barriers are removed when it's online, when you don't have to look someone in the face, Mm. when you're not bound by the normal rules of decency. And Mm. I think anonymity plays a big role in that. I mean, I knew someone who was a very proud troll. Mm. I mean, he would go online, he would abuse people, and he said it gave him a rush. He liked to do it. I mean, he didn't care that he was making other people's lives miserable. It made him feel good, and there Mm. were no consequences for him at all. And there very rarely are. I mean, the number of times that that I will report somebody's tweet to me, because I think it's particularly abusive or particularly unpleasant or whatever it is, and almost every single time it comes back that this has not violated the rules of Twitter. That make, there's such a double standard yeah. when it comes to that because you think of the amount of people that have been kicked off Twitter for things that we would think mm. were just perfectly innocuous. Yes. I mean, things like Posey Parker using the wrong pronouns, yes. for instance. I mean, we all know that Twitter doesn't police these things mm. consistently. I mean, right. it's 100% partisan, which is why I get so sceptical about people who suddenly claim to be free speech diehards. Yes. And I think, no, it's free speech for you. It's for what you like. Yes. It's not for anyone else. But it's not for anyone else, no. Got a couple of messages here. Um, Andy says, good morning, Michael. I have a dental appointment for 8.15 on Monday. It's been cancelled. It was booked last January, and it's only a checkup. Uh, so it's a 10-minute job. But nope, they've decided to close down for the day and they haven't yet offered me a new appointment. Most people who are going to a dentist on Monday will have probably not gone to one for maybe a year. Um, and we'll probably find that it's another three or four months before they can go. And prevention is better than cure. Mm. It's much better to have constant maintenance of your teeth, looking after them properly every so often, than letting problems build up, and then they become very expensive and painful to fix. Well, there is actually a dental crisis in this country because so many people don't have a dentist and can't even see one. Um, Sue says, Mike, you can't see a GP or go to your hospital appointment, but you can order a pizza for delivery. What is going on? Well, presumably the pizza people will not shut down because people will want to order pizzas. The pubs, I'm assuming, will stay open. Um, They can't be ordered to shut down, can they? No, they can't. And I think it will be good business for them. And you hope that someone will have some common sense around this. I mean, I think a lot of people will gather in pubs to watch it. I think it would actually be quite an amazing place to watch it Mm. with other people in the pub. I mean, the one thing that hasn't been spoken about much, and I don't think people are doing it, I don't know if it's the time of year, but normally there'd be sort of street parties. I mean, do you think it's because it's maybe not the right thing to do for a funeral? I do. I do. Because my um, neighbourhood, we're really good at organising things like that. We have street parties, but no one's even mentioned it this year. Right. I mean, we'll do stuff in winter as well, you know. I mean, there'll be street parties for the Jubilee, which I suppose makes more sense. It's celebratory. I don't mm. think this feels celebratory. Yeah. But maybe as well, maybe, you know, a few people have said this. We don't really know what our rituals and traditions around mourning are. Mm. I think, you know, people aren't really clear about that kind of thing. I mean, I remember when my grandfather died, there were elderly men who stopped on the side of the road yes. and took their hats off as the hearse passed mm-hmm. by. But those were, they were the only ones who did it. They clearly had some idea yes. of how they should behave when death happens. Mm. But a lot of people have never even been brought up with that kind yeah. of knowledge. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier in the week, about how the, the whole sort of the ritual of the, of the funeral seems to have gone away, doesn't it? People don't tend to spend as much time on funerals as they used to. You know, the sort of the old wake where you would have the, the, sometimes the, the, the body lying in an open casket so people could look at the, the loved one as it was none, known. And then there would be a party perhaps the next day and another party the next day. And then, as you say, there would be a funeral procession and these would just be for ordinary, everyday people. Yes. But yeah. that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, in some religious traditions, they have periods of, of mourning where, you know, you sit, you are take all your needs are taken care of by people around you, by your community, mm. and you are given a week to sort of mourn, to actually mourn. Yeah. And 
but so I think mainstream culture has kind of lost that. Yeah. You know, that period of just people taking care of you and taking care of everything in your life so you can just process what has happened to mm. you and actually have a period of stepping back from life but so that everything doesn't stop running and also so that you don't just block out what you're feeling because you've mm. just got to get on with everything. Yes. Well, that's the one thing that we're not doing uh, is blocking everything out. The one thing we are doing is conversing about all of this. And in the last couple of days, talking about what it all means for Britain, what it means for the future of Britain, what it means for King Charles as we go forward. Candice, thank you very much indeed for being with us. Candice Holdsworth there, writing for Spiked Online. We'll take some calls coming up and we'll find out exactly what's happening in the crowds as they as they grow, as they form. You can see on our TV screens, if you're looking now, uh, what's going on down at Lambeth Bridge. Rakiba San is going to be here as well. He'll talk to us about uh, the role of the Commonwealth um, in the future as well. This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and Talk TV. Today's tape begins when Sarah was scrolling through her feed. Suddenly, Sarah heard the scariest sound. The Wi-Fi is down. Sarah was trapped <laughs> by the spinning wheel of doom. Save yourself from broadband nightmares. Get BT's unbreakable hybrid broadband backed up by EE, the UK's best network. Search BT Hybrid Broadband. 88% UK availability. 4G connection takes up to 175 seconds. Best for mobile network performance. Verify at ee.co.uk forward slash claims. At Lidl, we know parents would do anything for their little ones. Even pay big brand prices. But you really don't need to. When Lidl's Loopy Loo, Flexi Fit, award-winning nappies start from just 79p. Perfect for dry bums and happy parents. With value like that, it won't be the price keeping you up at night. Now that's big on quality and always Lidl on price. 79p per pack. Applies to 24 pack of Loopy Loo newborn size one nappies. The mouth-watering, cheesy bacon flatbread from McDonald's with two strips of sizzling beechwood smoked bacon covered in delicious melted cheese. Mmm, that is so good. And it's just one forty-nine. McDonald's, breakfast done properly. <laughs> Served until 11am. Price and participation may vary across restaurants. Price not applicable to delivery orders. Jet away on a dream deal with KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. Amazing prices and convenient local departures from 17 airports across the UK. Fly to Aruba, Nairobi, Dubai and many more destinations via Amsterdam. Dream deals won't last forever. Book now at klm.co.uk by 27th September. T's and C's apply. EE Full Fiber Broadband can connect 100 devices around your home, like laptops, smartphones, smart TVs, smart fridges, even smart kettles. You can connect them all. Pretty impressive, huh? This is EE Full Fiber Broadband, powered by BT. Limited availability. Check coverage at ee.co.uk. Your way from driveway to motorway. Talk radio. Travel update. PM6 northbound towards Haydock at Junction 23. There's a broken down van in the roadworks. That's lane one closed. Passing by in the two remaining lanes. Gloucestershire, the M5 southbound. A tyre change after Stroud at Junction 13. Oxfordshire, you can't leave the M40 southbound carriageway at 10 for Cherwell Valley Services. Following an accident last night. Closures at Central London. Booking and Palace to Westminster, but also part of Chelsea Embankment, outbound, causing delays Battersea Bridge. I'm Sarah Elliott. Free stuff tastes better. Fact. It's not a fact. It tastes like I won something. It's like my taste buds know I've not been charged and they're celebrating. You think your taste buds have counted your change? Try it. It tastes like coffee. It tastes like free coffee. And all I had to do was collect four little beans. Costa Club members who buy four handcrafted drinks at Costa Coffee get the fifth free when they use a reusable cup. Because at Costa Coffee, loyalty is a big deal. Subject to availability only at selected stores. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is a relatively grey day out there. The crowds are beginning to form uh, around Westminster, the Palace of Westminster, of course, Lambeth Bridge, uh, which is to the uh, west uh, of Parliament, and the, uh, the Palace uh, where the Queen is going to be uh, lying in Westminster Hall. They'll be bringing her from Buckingham Palace around 2.22 this afternoon. Uh, they'll be arriving uh, around about 3 o'clock into Westminster Hall. There will be a procession uh, at which the King uh, and other members of the royal family will walk behind it of course the uh, start of the official lying in state queue will open at 5 p.m today so if you are thinking about joining the queue um, you probably would want to think about being there pretty soon if you think you're going to see the body uh, or the coffin rather any time between now uh, and midnight we're told that the whole process will be going 24 hours a day so you will be able to actually move through the queue uh, all the way through the night but a lot of people are being told to be prepared to wait for up to 20 hours possibly longer before they get in to Westminster Hall it's quite an extraordinary event mourners are already uh, queuing up we'll be walking uh, through that uh, place a little later on this afternoon and this morning as well we've got Tom Whipple from the Times who's down there uh, one uh, particular suggestion from uh, G says um, you missed a trick uh, basically you should have put uh, Rupert Bell in the queue and just gone backwards and forwards to him well the trouble with doing that is poor old Rupert would really need to actually um, get some sleep at some point because he is working around the clock as it is. I don't think he fancies actually working around the clock and standing in a queue permanently. I don't think that would be... Uh, I think that would be definitely above and beyond the call of duty, even for him. Let's talk now, though, to Dr Rakeem Bassant, social policy analyst and writer. He's written a piece, of course, uh, around the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth's Queen, uh, because the Queen, of course... Not only the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, also the Queen of many other countries in the Commonwealth. Rakeem, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. What are you making of the um, the general sort of atmosphere and, and the way that the country has reacted to the death of Queen Elizabeth II? Well, I think what's been really heartening, Mike, is how people from all walks of life are paying their respects mm. to... Um, an extraordinary public servant, our longest serving uh, monarch, who in some ways she represented values which some may feel are almost near extinction, yeah. almost in, in a sense, Mike. She had such an unbelievable sense of civic duty and social responsibility. Yeah. And I think the point I made in that um, piece on the Commonwealth was that many of our minorities are of commonwealth origin mm. and contrary to the queen uh, just being the head of the church of england she, she, she was adored and respected across a range of non-christian uh, minorities living in the uk uh, her golden jubilee tour was ex extremely um, inclusive uh, visiting a variety of places of worship and I think it's really important to understand that she, over those seven decades, um, she, she was a symbol of national unity and constancy, and she will be sorely missed by a variety of uh, people living in Britain. Yes. I mean, there have been some movements in some Commonwealth countries, haven't there, and there's some successful, uh, some not so successful, uh, to kind of cut the ties, if you like, with the mm. royal family. But in every case, I think I'm right in saying... The, the change in the administration of that particular country hasn't really changed much. They've just kind of gone, oh, well, now we're independent. Absolutely. And I think that, in a sense, uh, that demonstrated the success 
uh, of her reign, uh, where she spearheaded, uh, quietly spearheaded, uh, I may say, th their smooth transition from empire to commonwealth, uh, ultimately um, imperial coercion to this voluntary association of nations. Mm. And you can see that it, it, was, it was incredibly successful. Uh, and you, that is demonstrated by the outpouring of tributes throughout throughout the Commonwealth, Mike. Yes, I think that's right. And I mean, what do you see going forward for King Charles? Um, obviously, he's been one of those members of the royal family who's been on many round the world visits, if you like, to lots mm. of Commonwealth countries. I mean, he he was kind of doing the uh, uh, where the dressing up with with the various local. Um, indigenous peoples long before anybody else was and he was visiting the caribbean probably long before mm. anybody else was and visiting countries in asia and all of that you know he's always been a big sort of supporter of the commonwealth hasn't he absolutely and i think that you can also see that, that through his charitable activities including the establishment of the princess trust group which is essentially a global coalition of charitable mm. foundations which ultimately they help young people across the commonwealth and beyond uh, actually, into uh, education, employment and enterprise. And I'm sure that and, and now he is king, he will continue to invest a great deal of time and energy in those kind of endeavours in order to uh, demonstrate the, well, the, the relevancy, you could say, of, of the royal family, because there's many people who portray the royal family as an institution which is out of touch, um, irrelevant, a crap, um, it, it, almost this a sort of ancient uh, relic but the reality of the matter is it still continues to do much good domestically and internationally. Yes. And interesting, isn't it? Because when William and Kate went embarked on their trip to um, Belize and other parts of the Caribbean, um, it wasn't perhaps as smooth as they would have liked it to be. A lot of people said that it was at the wrong time for them to do it. Do you think things have changed now then? Well, I think it, I think it would differ from country to country. Uh, Mike, in terms of how strong the Republican movements, the Republican political movements mm. are in particular countries. Uh, I'm very familiar, unsurprisingly because of my heritage, I'm particularly familiar with the uh, political situation, the socio-political situation yeah. in South Asia. And Bangladesh um, held a three-day mourning um, after Queen Elizabeth II's passing. Mm. Uh, so I, I think that it, it really does differ from Commonwealth country to Commonwealth country. But I think overall, uh, I still firmly believe that it's a voluntary association of nations where the majority of the countries take pride in their ties with the UK. Yeah, because one of the things that was mentioned sort of leading up to Brexit was that the Commonwealth is a great untapped resource in a way, not simply mm. for, um, you know, raw materials and possibly um, trade from them to us, but also from us to them. Absolutely. I, I think that th th that is why the work that Queen Elizabeth II did, uh, many people uh, refer to her as our, our, our greatest ever diplomat. And, and I firmly agree with that, because by renewing those diplomatic relations with former parts of the empire, who are now voluntary members of the Commonwealth, mm. renewing those ties, she's very much helped to lay the foundations for the UK post-Brexit Britain, to deepen those ties, especially when it comes to matters of trade and security, in order to shore up our position in the international system in the post-Brexit world. Sure. And for King Charles himself, obviously he's settling into the job. I think he's done particularly well uh, mm. so far, um, just with the, like, the first few days of his, of his reign. But he'll be planning, presumably, a Commonwealth tour um, reasonably quickly, won't he? 
I, 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 I would think so, Mike. I think that he, I, I think he would be quite keen to shore up ties with many parts of the Commonwealth, especially parts of the Commonwealth where perhaps um, Republican movements are that bit stronger. But I, I, as I said before, the, the royal family continues to be highly respected um, across much of the Commonwealth. Um, King Charles III has a, a reputation for investing in Commonwealth-related endeavours. So I would like to see um, a Commonwealth tour which takes um, uh, 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 King Charles III to different parts of the world, whether that's the Indian subcontinent, Australasia, uh, Central America, parts of Africa. Actually, it'd be quite in, it'd be quite good for him to visit Togo and Gabon, mm. which uh, the two two African countries which actually gained independence from France. And I think that demonstrates how inclusive the Commonwealth is, that it contains countries which gained independence from non-British mm. former European colonies, Mike. Yes. And as far as his previous kind of um, incantation, some of the things that he said about mm. uh, all manner of, of, of uh, you know, whether they're social uh, um, issues or whether they be international kind of issues around the Commonwealth, will, mm. that, will that be a hangover for him, do you think? Well, I, I think that... it. it, it you could see it as a fresh start, uh, but I also think there's much good to be brought from the era where he was heir to the throne. So I think that ultimately what you want to see, or what I'd like to see personally from King Charles III, is to visit those Commonwealth countries, shore up those ties, and ultimately build on the fantastic work that uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II did in terms of facilitating that smooth transition from empire to Commonwealth. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's talk a bit about migrants before we let you go, Rakeet, because uh, there's new figures out today which mm. suggest that more migrants have crossed the channel so far up to sort of middle of September uh, than was in the whole of 2021. Um, I think the total number now is about 28,561, mm. uh, slightly more than uh, the entire number in 2021. Um, I always say at this point, and those are the ones we know about. Absolutely. I think that the, the new Prime Minister, uh, Liz Truss, I think there's two uh, two types of crisis that she has to deal with, the cost of living crisis and the border security crisis. Mm. Um, and in a way that the two are somewhat interlinked because uh, the, the cost of living crisis is going to worsen, Mike, unfortunately, for many families across the country. Yeah. But if they see the amount of public money which is being spent on um, ultimately I illegal migrants um, who are being housed in hotels and other forms of accommodation, then I think that's going to create a level of resentment which could uh, pose a threat to social cohesion. Uh, in the country. Uh, we've discussed this many times before, Mike, that if you're a self-governing nation state, border security is an essential part of that, yes. um, especially from a social cohesion and national security perspective. Yeah, absolutely right. And Suella Braverman is the new Home Secretary. Um, lots of people said that Priti Patel really never got to grips with this problem. Many would say if they were on her side that she was sort mm. of, um, prevented really from carrying out the policy of the government by the civil servants in the Home Office and by the civil servants in the Border Force who clearly didn't want to actually make mm. uh, hay. Uh, they didn't want to make these uh, migrants actually go back to France. They didn't want to intercept them in order to do that. They would rather have welcomed them here. You know, there was a very political stance taken by the union, I believe, who I think is still mm. suing the government, trying to stop them from sending these people to Rwanda. Do you think that'll ever happen? Well, I, th I think that, uh, firstly, in terms of Priti Patel's period as Home Secretary, 
I, I think many people reached the view that she underperformed yeah. uh, in the role. But that's not to say that she faced a great deal of obstructionism, especially in the form of the civil service. Ultimately, the civil service is there, is there to um, implement and execute the democratically elected UK government's plans mm. um, uh, across a range of policy areas. And if there is opposition uh, to migration partnerships such as the UK-Rwanda deal, then that is a very serious problem for whoever is a Home Secretary. Because what you have, ultimately, you have unelected bureaucrats deciding what the government can and what it can't do mm. in important matters such as national security and social cohesion. And I think that's a huge problem. And it's something that Suala Brobman has to get to grips with. Otherwise, she's going to encounter the very same problems that Priti Patel did. Yeah. I mean, there's a pretty good chance that she's going to encounter all of the same problems. I guess mm. it's a question of just how she deals with them, really, isn't it? Absolutely. I think one thing I'd say, Mike, is that we have people smuggling infrastructures which have taken hold in the UK. And one thing that I'd really like to see is the National Crime Agency given greater power and resources to clamp down on those grotesque mm. criminal enterprises. And we also have to see, you have to explore on a national and international level in terms of what can be done to shore up our border security. It's not going to be easy. No, exactly right. Rakeem, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Rakeem Hassan, social policy analyst and writer there. Uh, on the future uh, for King Charles and the Commonwealth, but also with the news the Ministry of Defence have said, uh, including 601 people in 19 boats arriving yesterday, the total number of illegal migrants arriving on our shores in this year alone, 28,561. More than everybody that came during 2021. Marvellous, isn't it? Some border policy we've got in this country. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to Talk TV. This is, of course, the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. We're here with you all the way through until one o'clock. And then it's Ian Collins who will take you through the afternoon uh, where he will be responsible uh, at 2.22 uh, when the Queen's coffin will leave Buckingham Palace uh, and is expected to arrive at Westminster Hall at 3pm. There will be a service there lasting around 20 minutes led by the Archbishop of Canterbury, accompanied by the Dean of Westminster. And then the start of the official lying in state queue will open at 5pm today. We're going to go down to that queue now. I believe Tom Whipple uh, is the science editor at the Times. Tom, um, a very, very good morning to you. How are you doing? I'm tired. I'm a little bit damp still, <laughs> but I'm here. Good. Well, and, and you are, are, by the looks of it, on the south uh, bank somewhere near Lambeth Bridge, are you? Yeah, this is this is the front of the queue to get in the queue, I guess. Um, I am. Uh, they, they've, they've got us spending the night uh, opposite Westminster and they're going to move us on um, I think closer to the time. So I, I'm number 22 in the queue. That's pretty decent. So when did you actually get there then, like yesterday? I got there at 3.30pm yesterday. Wow. And what's it like sleeping? This is like one of those nightmare assignments, isn't it? When you go uh, to be sent by your editor to go and sleep rough to see what it's like, only to find that the man sleeping rough next to you is from the Telegraph. Yeah, yeah. There was, a, there was, there was. So, as far as I can tell, there was someone from the BBC, uh, someone from the Sun, um, there was me, and then uh, there were about 120 others right. who, who made the night. Well, listen, it's a very valiant thing that you're doing. So, on behalf of all journalists, well done. Um, but it is an extraordinary thing that some people who are not as far up the queue as you. Maybe in a position of having to wait 20, maybe 25 hours to get into Westminster Hall. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing is, in a sense, 
this was the rational thing to do because although we spent the night we were at least spending the night in the same place so we could lie down in our sleeping bags and get some sleep mm. but if people are as we fear going to be spending the night in the queue once it starts moving you're going to have to be shuffling for all of that time uh, so I, I consider this a perfectly sensible thing to do to spend a night in a sleeping rough by the time yes well it was a bit wet last night as well wasn't it it was extremely damp. Um, we all got very wet. I ended up giving out my waterproofs to a lot of people because I brought a tent. Uh, so there were people wearing my jacket, people wearing my trousers, people with my umbrella. Um, it was, yeah, look, it was very wet. Uh, it was very cold. Um, there wasn't much food. I eventually got delivery delivered to Lambeth Palace opposite uh, on uh, the uh, permission of the Archbishop of York so that we could feed the 5,000 Oh, that's pizza. good. Yeah, because that is going to be a problem for a lot of people because, as you say, one thing to be in a tent um, and have a sleeping bag and all of that, but if you're actually moving, you can't have any of that. I mean, are these tents going to be left behind? Is it going to be a sort of post-Glastonbury-style look? Well, they've told us not to bring tents, um, but we we ignored that yesterday, thank God. Um, I I honestly don't know anything they know. We don't really know how many people are going to come um, and quite what the queues are going to be, so... To be determined, I guess. But yeah, if people are shuffling through the night, um, possibly in the rain, then you know you've got to think: Are you up for this? Is this something that you're physically able to do? Yes, and I presume it's not something that's that suitable for you, people with young children. I mean, many. I mean, my my teenage sons are quite keen to come up, but I think they're just going to walk around. I don't think they're actually going to join the queue. Yeah, I think. Look, if, you, if you've got young kids, it's not something you like to be doing at all. No, uh, there are other ways to, to say goodbye to the queen. And so, as far as you're aware, are you moving towards Westminster Hall and what I think is a security sort of cordon somewhere near the, 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 the Parliament Gardens there? Yeah, I think so. The plan is um, I've just been given this wristband that means that I can leave and go and get uh, breakfast and maybe even have a shower. I might be coming to the news building. Um, but I'll I have warn to be them. Back here. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be back here in time to get back in the queue. I've got a numbered wristband. My okay. number on my wristband is, is 30. Good. So I'll, I'll be very close to the break. So that is very, very good. So you're likely to be inside Westminster Hall, I'm assuming, shortly after 5 o'clock when it opens. I'd expect so. If I'm not, then we've got to worry about how fast this queue is going to be moving. Yeah, absolutely right. And as far as the sort of security aspect of it is concerned, are you likely to be walking through a kind of security arc? How are they going to do it? Yeah, there's, we've been told we can have a, one bag that's uh, sort of, I think I think Ryanair would consider it a, a paltry baggage allowance that we're being given. <laughs> um, I have a very big wheelie suitcase, uh, which is going to be deposited in Times Towers at some point. Now I've got my wristband. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of security. Yeah, absolutely right. And how many people are they expecting? Do they know? I think they don't know. I mean, what I've been hearing is there were 200,000 for the Queen Mother and it's going to be more than that. Yeah, it's quite an extraordinary. Uh, so are you, are you finding yourself checking the weather reports and the weather forecast quite regularly? <laughs> I certainly was last night. I think we might have got away with it this morning. I thought there was going to be a spot of rain, but there isn't. Um, last night was near continuous rain. It was it was very unpleasant. Yes. Uh, now, frankly, we're over the hump. Right. And I'm assuming if all goes well, your piece will appear in the paper tomorrow, uh, having seen what's inside Westminster Hall. Yeah, there should be one coming up, I think, any time now, and then I will update that with what happens this afternoon. Yeah. I mean, I suppose one of the biggest uh, problems you've got is charging a phone, is it? 
I bought a power bank. The power bank is depleted. I'm using up the last of my power on talk TV. Right. I have decided that you you are the ones who deserve the final. What juice. a splendid man you are! Yeah. When I lived in New York City, um, there was a um, a very what I can only describe as very sort of um, entrepreneurial group of homeless people who used to sit on a sofa at the end of my street and they'd plugged a television into the lamppost. So I don't know if you can see a lamppost there, but you might be able to get some charge out of that. That might be the way. There are a lot of people running quite low on charge. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, Tom, great to see you. Well done. Fantastic work. Um, maybe your finest work of all time, um, sitting outside uh, in the rain on behalf of the Times uh, and its readers. Absolutely brilliant. Selfless. What a man. Uh, he is, of course, the science editor at the Times. And uh, as he says, uh, he's number 30 uh, in the group. He got there late last night, uh, or late, late yesterday afternoon, I should say. But the, the good news is if you did that, and if you were willing to stay out uh, all night, you will be one of the first people, one of the first 50 people inside uh, Westminster Hall. So you will see for your own, with your own eyes exactly what's going on. What a plank that Andy is, says Ellie. Uh, but what happened to celebration of life that we call our funerals now? Sorry, this 10 days of self-flagellation is just over the top. I'm sure the Queen would have preferred we raised our glasses and celebrated her 70 years, but I suppose uh, it's the mainstream media telling people how to feel and what to do yet again. Open the pubs, open the shops, let people decide. Ellie, listen, I agree with you about the last bit. I don't think this is being driven at all by the media. I think this is being driven very much by um, the royal family and the way that, you know, the death of, of the monarch is somehow administrated because you can't just go, well, the Queen died yesterday, uh, tomorrow's the funeral and uh, that'll be the end of that and we won't talk about it anymore. It doesn't really work like that. And I think, as I said and have said for the last couple of uh, shows, I think this is a great opportunity for us as British subjects, and some of you I know don't like that, British citizens, if you prefer, uh, can c- contemplate the monarchy, contemplate what it is that we are, contemplate what it is that Britain has become, contemplate where Britain should go and who should go with us. Do you know what I'm saying? Michelle says, uh, Rakib Hassan, good man, talking good sense. It most certainly is not racist to care about and have the debate. By, the, um, by this point, it should be compulsory. I think the same as him. If it isn't addressed, things could turn vigilante or worse. I think that's talking about uh, the migrant crisis there, of course, where we've now realised that we've hit the same total that we had for the whole of last year, and it's only the middle of September. We've got another three months to go. Three and a half, if you count uh, the rest of September. We've got more to do. We'll take more of your calls. Tim's coming up in West Sussex. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to Talk TV. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here, of course, all the way through until one o'clock. Here's a a message from uh, Lord John. Uh, He says, our local pubs in Hornchurch and Romford have announced together that they are opening early on Monday to show the funeral, allowing families to bring children in and laying on free sandwiches and snacks. And that's nice, isn't it? That is terrific. The Queen served the public all her life, says Louise. I feel she would want service for the public to continue, not shut everything down. I don't understand why her funeral could not have been held on the Sunday, a religious day of rest. Well, I think the problem of having a, 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 a state funeral, if you like, on a Sunday is that that's not uh, what was in the planning. And I think it was always going to be in the planning that it would, in fact, be rather than that. Uh, it would rather it would always be a, um, uh, a weekday so that you could have the bank holiday. Let's talk to Tim, who's in West Sussex. Hi, Tim. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. A um, couple of things. Um, yeah, fair play to your, your previous partner. He was chewing up there. Yeah, yeah, Tom um, Whipple. Yeah, top man. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd do that. Uh, no, was, <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. I would either. Even if it was like Mick Jagger or something from the Rolling 
even if it was all the right yes well sleeping i mean i have done my share of sleeping out all night when i was younger i used to do it for for tickets to see rock bands funny enough yeah we're a bit older than that. it's not it's not very nice (laughs) um what i was going to say was that um you were talking about commonwealth a bit earlier yes I, I don't know why we don't utilise that a lot more and, and, until the, you know, since the Brexit. Mm. We could have utilised the, we, we said, like, sod, sod, uh, Euro, just use the, um, it might not be quite, although there's, you know, Australia and Canada mm. and New Zealand. Why don't we do more trades with them? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that would be, generally speaking, the idea. And I think a lot of people think that's what we should be doing. And maybe that's what we will do. Um, it just hasn't sort of happened yet. Yeah. It's, it's, but it just... I mean, we don't. I mean, there's a big myth here about the European Union. We don't actually export a lot of stuff to the European Union. It's not a very big trading block for us. You know, the European Union as a, as a block is quite big. But we, as a country, don't actually sell them much. Yeah, it just baffles me that we haven't talked about it yeah. so much. The Commonwealth. Yes. Well, let's start the conversation now. Let's do it, and we are doing it. So, so you'll hear plenty of it on this show, Tim. Thank you for calling. Um, let's talk to Dr. Lawrence Gerlis, though, because amongst many of the things that are upsetting people over the course of uh, this week is that on Monday, which has now been declared a bank holiday, of course, by the new king, it means that uh, if you did have a dental appointment, we've heard from somebody who did, that's been cancelled. If you did have a doctor's appointment, that's probably been cancelled because doctors, by and large, are not going to be operating GP surgeries. A lot of NHS um, uh, procedures have also been cancelled. And Janie has sent me a text uh, to 87222. My GP is not available for two months as he's working for free in another country. He even had the audacity to write to every patient and ask if we would sponsor his trip. (laughs) Well... That's about the, uh, the the thin end of the wedge, I imagine. Dr. Lawrence, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. There's a, th- there's a thought for you. Uh, if you fancy a trip somewhere, just uh, write to all your patients, see if they'll give you some money. Go fund me. I fancy yeah. Jamaica for a couple of months. Yeah, Mike, it's been a nightmare, this late announcement of a bank holiday. I, I hear what you say about it not being on a Sunday. Sunday would be much easier for us. Yes. And there was a point last week when... Uh, what do you mean? Because you, you already don't work on a Sunday. Well, there aren't routine <laughs> operations. No, I, we do. We're open every day, and in fact, we're open on Monday. Right. But it means that staff get double pay, and we're going to be very quiet. We're in central London, yeah. so. But it, but we've had to shift in all our rotors around. Different. Some of the staff will come in. Some won't come in. But if you look at the national health operations cancelled, what a lot of people don't understand, and this applies not just to the health service, but to centre parks and all the other people, mm. is that. People don't have to work contractually on a bank holiday. Once you announce a bank holiday, the staff can take that off. You you can't force them to come into work. And if they do come into work, they usually get double pay. Um, But most people people want to stay at home and watch funerals. So it has been very difficult. I understand the position um, of of Centre Park, and it's been a nightmare for the health service. Mm. And losing a whole day's work in the health service, which in effect is what's going to happen, is causes double the disruption because those appointments have to be rescheduled. So it's a huge percentage at a time when we're trying to catch up with a, a long waiting list with people can't get GP appointments. I heard someone yesterday whose GP appointment was cancelled for Monday and he's given another one in three weeks' time because yeah. that was the next available one. Well, that's no use to anyone, no. quite frankly. 
Um, well, this is the thing. I mean, a lot of people have had this experience with doctors anyway, that when they yeah. try to make an appointment, it's yeah. either, you know, uh, we can't see you now or we can see you in three weeks, by which time you're either better or you're dead, you know, so there's not really yeah. much point. Yeah. But, I mean, no. my, my I, I understand what you're saying and I get it, but my, it's, to me it's an example of how intransigent the NHS has become, that it's not very versatile, that it's not very... Um, you know, agile, and it cannot deal with something like this, because surely what should have happened is somebody should have said, look, um, we've got a lot of stuff because it's a regular, not a regular bank holiday, so we have scheduled a lot of things. Let us yeah. try and operate, uh, albeit that some people might want to take the day off, but just make it a limited number so that not everybody can take it off, and you can actually still do the stuff that you need to do. Yeah, but my initial thought was that GPs should stay open. Uh, if they've got patients, yeah. they should stay open, the staff should come in. But then someone pointed out to me that they've got a contract with the government, that GPs are independent contracts, and that contract does not require them to work on bank holidays. Yeah. Uh, now, you can argue, well, they're being paid anyway, but they will argue, no, we are not contractually obliged to be open on the bank holiday. Um, and they would probably have to pay all their reception and other staff enhanced rates, and they wouldn't get more money mm. from the government for doing that. So, yeah, but uh, it's, normally... sorry to sorry to to, to yeah. interrupt you, Doctor Lawrence. Yeah. But I mean, it is a public service. I mean, I realise that people are in business to make money, but the NHS yeah. is a public service. It's not surely for the yeah. individuals in it to go. Oh, we're not going to make enough money, so we won't bother opening. Well, look, some GPs are open. That uh, my reading on social media, some are. Uh, we're open, but you know, for once, I actually have because of the administrative nightmare that we've had dealing with this. And that the NHS GPs, because they would have had about 50 patients booked on the day, I actually for once have a certain amount of sympathy. Why should they go to all this work um, when they're actually not being paid for it? And I, I, I think that someone said to me, that for the civil servants, if there's a choice between a Sunday and a Monday funeral, the civil servants will choose the Monday because they can have a day off. And I just don't think people have understood the implications of announcing a late bank holiday with a week's notice, what a nightmare that creates for so many services, especially medical services, when things have been booked in yeah. advance. So, and I realise that, that we in the news business are, are living a sort of gilded life, but not everybody's paid very well that works in this building here, but everybody here is coming to work because it's a big deal yeah. and it's a big day and nobody in their right mind would dream of saying to the boss no. here, well, it's a bank holiday, I'm not working, sorry. No. No, but, but look, you know, there's a cost of living crisis. People are asking for more money. But I look, if I was a... Well, a, maybe a they should work a bit more. <laughs> well, if I was a low-paid worker, whether it's a cleaner at Centre Parks or a GP receptionist, and you said to me, Monday's a bank holiday, I'd say, fine, I'm taking it off then. I, I actually do have a certain amount of... Well, that'd be why you haven't got enough money then. Maybe you should work it instead. Well, <laughs> buy the family, maybe. Buy look, the family a nice holiday. Yeah, well, look, we're working. We're open every day. <laughs> We're open bank holiday Monday. We'll have we'll have virtually no patients, but we'll have to pay the staff. That that's life, and I, I I'll take that on the chin. We'll probably lose money by doing that, but I think we should provide a service, and that's a, a decision we've and made. And there you are. You I, see that you finally said what I knew you wanted to say. It's true. You know you do you do a yeah. great job, and we've got great respect for our medical services. But I just think sometimes they need to remember that that's what they are a service. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I agree. Dr. Lawrence Girl, it's always a very sensible conversation. Thank you very much indeed. I mean, if you're having trouble getting to see a doctor, uh, see whether you can find one online. See whether you can find one like Dr. Lawrence, who will be happy to help you out. He's pretty sure there won't be many patients, but there may well be. 
You never know, do you? 0344 499 1000. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Lots going on today. Uh, as we've been telling you, uh, the royal family will walk with the Queen's coffin to Westminster Hall from Buckingham Palace, where hundreds of thousands of people are expected to pay their respects after queuing for hours. We spoke to Tom Whipple earlier from The Times, who's number 30 uh, in the queue. He's been there since yesterday afternoon. Uh, he expects to be one of the first people inside Westminster Hall at five. Uh, but of course, if you are only about to join the queue now or thinking about doing that, uh, you could be queuing for quite a long time, possibly as long as 20 hours. The Queen's Coffin is going to leave Buckingham Palace around about 2.22 today, very specific time. Uh, It's expected to arrive at Westminster Hall at 3. The King and his sons will walk behind the Queen's Coffin this afternoon uh, on that particular route. So if you want to see that, uh, you would go somewhere between uh, the Mole uh, and down through um, uh, Constitution Hill, possibly, um, and then have a look down to Green, Green Park, St James's Park, down through past the back of Downing Street uh, and into um, Parliament Square. Um, having said that, we spoke earlier to Tom Whipple from The Times. We've now got uh, the pleasure of Ben Clapworthy, also from The Times, transport correspondent. Ben, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Um, seems like a good time to talk about um, how easy it's going to be to get around, because obviously Monday, we're being told, is going to be a bank holiday. A lot of things are not going to be open. We're not quite sure yet whether pubs and restaurants and things will be will be opening but what's the transport situation for the weekend as far as you know yeah so the weekend is looking like when the capital is going to really start to get busy there are fears that london could become full in inverted commas for the first time ever Uh, in response uh roadworks on motorways leading into Uh, central London are being suspended Uh, on top of that they are also getting rid of any planned road closures in and around the capital Mm -hmm. Um, at least as you've just said a million people are expected to try and queue to see the Queen delays of up to 20 hours or sorry queues of up to 20 hours Uh, Network Rail they're laying on additional uh, with train operators Mm. laying on additional services um, and some operators will run 24-hour services although it's being stressed to me that they are going to be limited Mm. they're not going to be a normal daytime service in the evening so don't sort of rely on overnight trains if you're coming into the capital. And will the tubes be running a 24-hour service or some of them at least? Uh, So the night tube will run as planned this weekend uh, overnight on those lines that it normally does. It's worth saying that the um, Westminster Hall is open 24 hours a day for uh, people to go and pay their respect. My understanding is that train stations, particularly in the capital, will stay open right. even if there is no service running, so that there is somewhere for people to go who may have okay. been through the hall in the middle of the okay. night. Okay. My understanding, if, unless it's changed, is the Jubilee Line is one of those um, services that works 24-7 over the weekend. Um, so Westminster is on the Jubilee Line. So if you were going there, you could get there by that method. Yes, over the weekend, you would be able to use the night tube. Yeah. It's not and as I regular. Presume, I'm, I don't expect you to know all of this, but I presume there are road closures as well, which means that buses may not be running in every direction. Absolutely. So TfL, Transport for London, are basically saying the best way to get around the capital, particularly the area around Westminster, Hyde Park and Green Park, is uh, to use the tube or to walk. There's going to be a huge number of bus diversions. Road closures are only going to extend over the coming days. Monday there's going to be an awful lot of road closures and also uh, delays because of after Mm. the funeral the coffin will be taken to Windsor as well so in terms of disruption really stepping up from now as 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 Tom Whipple in the queue says the 
Uh, Westminster Hall only opens to the public at 5pm mm. today. There's a lot about the queue not being that big at the moment. Yeah. Well, yes, that's because it's not actually officially started the right. lying in state pro- uh, mm. uh, for people to pay their respects. Yes, but they are expecting an awful lot of people. I was just reading um, a tweet out which suggested that this is likely to be the biggest television event ever, bigger than Princess Diana's funeral, bigger than uh, apparently... Well, the next biggest thing, which was the opening of the Atlanta Olympic Games in 1996. So um, over 4 billion people worldwide. So you would expect London to be absolutely chocker, wouldn't you? Yes, uh, certainly uh, Transport for London are gearing up for their biggest event since the 2012 Olympics. Uh-huh. But obviously, although these plans have been in the pipeline for a very long time, Operation London Bridge, it's not like the Olympics where the calendar was set months in advance this is still working very quickly from the point at which london bridge fell as the the yes. code name was mm. it's not while there was a lot of planning to then execute it is far quicker than the sure. lead up to the and i've Olympics. forgotten i should know the answer to this but congestion charge no longer applicable at the weekends i don't think is it i think sadiq khan removed it um if that's the case i don't know then whether a bank holiday monday would mean that the congestion charge is no longer applicable either i'll see if i can find out i can see from the reaction that you may not know the answer to that I mean I should know because I pay it automatically whenever I come in and out right. um, because I live just outside of it and obviously here we are inside of it um, but I suppose you wouldn't suggest to people that they drive into London. I, I think driving would probably be my uh, last resort yeah. if you were coming into the capital. Mm. Um, certainly over the weekend going back to that influx of people uh, hotels are filling up uh, rapidly domestic yes. Uh, travel agents and so on of saying that they've got a lot of people calling trying to book hotels if you are coming to the capital and you're intending to stay do make sure you have uh, accommodation booked before you arrive that queue be prepared that you may be in it overnight particularly Mm. if you join later in the day so there is a lot of um, planning if you are living outside of the southeastern london where you're easily connected to the capital you do need to seriously plan ahead because it's not as going to be as easy as it is Mm. coming normally and it hasn't been a particularly smooth summer for the airline business how are flights these days i know this may or may not be relevant but if people were expecting i don't know relatives to fly in from different places is it has it got expensive this weekend um flight prices have increased a little bit demand is certainly uh up higher than it would normally be in september given the schools are back um it's worth saying that if you're traveling today out of heathrow there is going to be some disruption uh around this afternoon because uh, of slight changes to the flight path to make sure that there is silence on the mall for mm. the Queen's coffin. Uh, and secondly, there will be disruption on Monday uh, in Heathrow and probably also City Airport as uh, noise limits mm. for while the funeral is taking place. Yes, no doubt. And as far as um, other strange things that have happened, we should talk, I guess, about uh, Centre Parks, who at one point were about to dump all of their uh, residents out onto mm-hmm. the streets and have decided that that was probably not the greatest idea they'd ever had. I mean, where did they expect people to go? I mean, centre parks are generally in the middle of nowhere, aren't they? This was one of the more bizarre responses to the uh, Queen's death. We were talking uh, in the office earlier about how children's football was cancelled yeah. last weekend, which, again, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, not that, not that I have regular conversations about it, but I can't imagine that the royal family or the Queen would have wanted children's activity no. to be uh, suspended. This, too, was a very strange decision by Centre Parks, one of a growing list of 
corporations doing slightly odd things. Mm. Morrison's turning down the beeps at their checkout. Centre Park's saying that, yes, on Monday, they're, uh, out of a mark of respect, to allow as many of our colleagues to be part of the historic moments that the park would close for 24 hours from Monday, um, w- which was bizarre. People had booked holidays, had, had trips planned, and were basically being told to go home for 24 hours and come back, which mm. was a very strange decision. Again, far above and beyond anything that um, in that cabinet office uh, advice on what to do in terms of in this yes. period of national mourning is a, a way beyond, and a, beyond well, this is, I was asking this question earlier that you know why on earth uh, would anybody even consider the possibility of shutting hotels I mean it's just bonkers isn't it? well totally I mean certainly in the capital uh, there had been a few suggestions of places that were closing it's like actually if you're going to provide it if you're providing a service like that at this particular time it is classed almost as an essential mm. service if you're able to put people up the millions of well-wishers who want to come to the capital yeah. likewise the suggestion that um Pubs might be closed on Monday. Actually, in the capital, there'll be a lot of people that want to eat and, and not you well, know, yeah. post-funeral celebrate the Queen's life. Well, we've already been told, I think, that there'll be some um, perhaps um, takeaway establishments open at least along the pathways where people are queuing because they will need to mm-hmm. eat. If you're standing somewhere or sitting for 20 hours, you know, you will need some form of sustenance. Yes, the uh, government have relaxed licensing for businesses that are right by the route of the right. queue. And understandably so. I mean, that's not in any way saying that, you know, you're disrespecting the no. the national mourning. If you, These are people that have come out. And as Tom Whipple, he was able to get a delivery uh, pizza last night to, yes. to deliver to, to him. because I think he got several because I think he was... Feeding, feeding the, the feeding the queue, but yeah. yes, it it is it is important that these businesses stay open at a time when there are going to be an awful lot of people coming into the capital. Absolutely, I'm reliably informed by Renee that um, um, that Sadiq Khan has not removed the congestion charge on the oh. weekend, so in fact it is still there. So perhaps it will still be there then on uh, on Monday. I would be surprised if they lifted it simply for the reason that actually the TfL will want to limit the number of vehicles mm. coming. It may be one of the few times when the congestion charge serves a bit more of a purpose in well, terms of work not most of the time, clogging so. up the no already rammed streets. No, exactly right. Well, Ben, listen, thank you very much indeed. Will you be um, working on Monday? I will. I've been covering it from covering the event from the start and will right. continue to do Quite so. right too. You see, here at um, News UK, we work on bank holidays because that's what we do. And uh, just because you're working for the public sector doesn't mean you can get the day off. So just go to work. Uh, this is Talk TV. On DAB+, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to Talk TV on this once again very auspicious day. It is Wednesday, of course. The King and his sons will walk behind the Queen's coffin this afternoon as she leaves Buckingham Palace for the final time ahead of her lying in state at Westminster Hall inside the Palace of Westminster for five nights ahead of her state funeral on Monday. We've just been talking to Ben Clapworthy from The Times about the um, arrangements which we could make for travel. Uh, it looks as though there will be plenty of trains laid on. There will be plenty of tubes running as well. Buses, we're not so sure because obviously roads are closed. Um, the Queen's Coffin will leave Buckingham Palace at 2.22pm today uh, during Ian Collins' show. He'll be here to talk about that, of course, uh, coming up after one o'clock. It's expected to arrive at Westminster Hall around about 3pm. Let's go now uh, to the mall, uh, which you're looking at right now. You can see um, the Union flags um, 
adorning the entire length of the road. It is, of course, one of the most famous roads. It has held many um, uh, an important royal engagement, and it's been many times used, of course, during the Jubilee. Eleanor Sherwood is there uh, for Talk TV. Uh, she's down there for us. Eleanor, very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Good afternoon, Mike. Great to speak you to you. You look a little bit less uh, wet than you were last time I saw you. It was raining the last time we spoke. So luckily today the weather's a bit more clement. Yes, it definitely is a lot sunnier down here today. And I'm sure the thousands of people that are gathered here to see the Queen's um, coffin come down the mall will be very grateful for that. Yes. Um, already we're hearing the crowds are picking up. Um, uh, we spoke to uh, Tom Whipple earlier, who's down by the Lambeth Bridge site where you were yesterday. Um, he's hopeful of getting in very early, but the, 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 the crowds are sort of building up, I presume, and have been over the last few hours. Yes, absolutely. We've only been here about an hour and since I've been here, definitely the amount of people around us has really grown. Um, normally at big events like this, you'd expect there to be quite a buzz, but actually today the atmosphere is quite sombre. People here are really coming um, just to reflect on the Queen and what she meant to them. I'm actually here with Debbie, um, who's been said she's happy to tell me why she's come down here today. Debbie, thank you so much for agreeing to speak to it's us. Okay. Why have you decided to come down? What made you want to Just come? to pay our respects. I mean, you know, she was a wonderful lady and, uh, you know, having met her in the past when she opened up a hospital that I was at, you know, she's, she was just delightful and, you know, it's just to show our respects and say how much we loved her and... Everything like that, really. You know, Tell there's so many people. That. Yeah, what was it like when the Queen came to your hospital? Um, she opened up a wing of the hospital um, and she was really concentrating. I was a nurse, so she was really concentrating on the patients that we were with and she stopped to everyone and shook their hands and talked to them and everything. So it was just, just delightful. And what do you think it will be like seeing the coffin go past today? I think it's going to just be so sad, very sad, um, but it's uh, at an end of an era. And, uh, and you know, the new king, yeah. which is wonderful. I think he'll be wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, okay. Debbie. Thank you. Mike, that's a similar sentiment that I've been hearing from speaking to lots of people who are here today. Lots of reflection on the Queen's reign, any personal encounters people have been having with her, but also a sense of looking forward and anticipation for change of what's to come with the new King Charles. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, Eleanor. Thank you so much for that, Eleanor Sherwood. They're live on the mall for us for Talk TV, um, talking to the people there. Obviously, so much respect for uh, the royal family, so much uh, love for the Queen. I think a lot of people have been quite surprised at how they've reacted to uh, to what's happened. I've already spoken about it from my own point of view, that, of course, I was quite shocked, I think, at the time that it did happen because it was literally in that moment when I suddenly realised that the Queen is no more. Um, but I think, again, as we've said before, King Charles has taken the mantle um, and has done a, a very impressive job. Um, Lauren says this, Mike, I joined the long, long queues to Westminster Hall to pay my respects to the Queen Mother uh, laying at rest. Apart from the time it took to enter the hall, it was all really straightforward. Join the queue and shuffle along. Uh, there were no searches and only a few police. I think this might be a slightly bigger event. Uh, I don't say that uh, your advice uh, to people is in any way wrong, um, but, you know, I think this will be more people. This will take longer uh, and if you are thinking of joining the queue, probably the sooner the better, I think, would be the situation. Let's talk to Anne, who's in Coventry. Hello, Anne. Hello, Mike. How um, are you? Just, just a very sure one. Yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking about the significance of uh, 222. Yes. And 2226, and that's, you know, added up, and that's the date that she took to the throne. Is it? Yeah. 
on the 6th of February. Okay. And uh, I know this because That's it was very smart of you. Well, it was my birthday. Wow. And um, the old king actually died on my birthday, so uh-huh. I'll always remember that. Wow. And I was just thinking about the significance because people were saying how mm. strange it was, how precise it was. Yes. I just assumed it was picked for... But the, the great thing about the royal family is we discover more about them because even though we think we know a lot about them, there's always things that you don't know, is the amount of detail that, that, that they've concentrated on here. You know, everything down to the finest detail is not allowed to just happen by chance. You know, no. the order in which things happen, the way that people walk, the the, the order of, of, of service, you know, everything just is absolutely down to the finest And, and that was what was going through my mind. Yeah. And I was thinking the significance of the number. Mm. Because it was a strange sort That's of That's very interesting. So, so it was, so 222... Well, six. when you add it up, right. it makes six. Okay, right, I've got you. And I was just thinking, well, six was when she uh, acceded to the throne. Yeah. Six of February. Yes. Wow. See, that's brilliant. I, I would never have known that. So, Anne, you've given us an, an invaluable piece of information. Thank you very much indeed. Um, John says, roadwork suspended over the bank holiday. Every time I pass one, there's nobody working there anyway. <laughs> well, there is that, of course. I mean, certainly uh, the number of roadworks has increased by sort of about a hundredfold. And to be fair... Uh, as Ben Clapworthy pointed out, they're saying they're going to take them all off the motorways, but I'll, I'll be very surprised if they take all the roadworks off of the uh, cycle lanes they're building uh, here in London at the very least, because uh, there's cycle lanes being built even as we speak all the way around the city. Um, and they just have acres and acres and acres of those horrible orange and white fences and nobody doing anything. Ridiculous. But cyclists have been told not to cycle. It's the first sensible thing I've heard. Uh, Patrick's in East Yorkshire. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Mike. Um, I'm good, you. Um, I think we've missed the trick here. We know when she went through Scotland and the people of Scotland had a chance to to see the cortege at least. Um, Instead of laying in state for four days, she just could have carried on through England, cut across to Wales, Mm. cut back to England again. People don't particularly need to see her in state. It's just to try and see the cortege and the the standard. To, and she could have had four days travelling through all the country. Yes. And people would have been happy at that. Now you've got hundreds of thousands of people emerging on London. Uh, they aren't going to be able to cope because their prices have gone up by about 500% in the hotels. Yes. Um, and if she'd have died in Buckingham Palace, none of this pre um would have happened at all in Scotland, you know, and, and people would have missed out. Yeah. So if the government are trying to level up, as they say they are, then it's very southern-based now, and it's, it seems that the rest of the country has been left not being able to, to see her or, or mm. even pay respect, and so they're all converging on yeah. London. And I mean, would you have welcomed her coming trouble? through on a train, perhaps, then? Well, no, because, I mean, it's a matter of when you get down here. I mean, I work for a coach company, mm. and we're sending coaches down there. I don't know what, what arrangements there are for parking. Yeah. But if they're going to have to queue up for maybe 30 hours, and the coach is then coming home, there's going to be a lot of people disappointed um, that they're not going to be able to pay their respects in the correct way. And we've missed the trick, I think, about by, by not running the cortege all the way down. Yes. And you may well be right. I mean, I, I wonder as well, though, as I said earlier, Patrick, whether it's a security thing where they reckon that they can 
make it safe and, and, and secure if it's all in one place rather than, you know, stopping and starting again? I think it will cause more problems. I mean, the, the, you've got the security issue of, of a static object like the Queen yeah. being based there in state. Bags have got to be searched. Um, it doesn't, uh, uh, you know, affiliate for anybody who's uh, disability, infirm, old or anything like that. Mm. Whereas, again, they could have come to another town, stood on the side of the street and just seen her pass by. And, that, and even if it's at 20 miles an hour, yeah. it's a good enough speed um, you know, there's a, a case for it, Mike. That's mm. all I'm saying. I no, I, I don't disagree with you, Patrick. I think it's something that could have been done. It might be, again, uh, and I'm not making excuses for them, but they've got this protocol that they need for her to lie in state in one place um, because that's just the way they do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the protocol, the protocol was based when there was no vehicles and fast transport and fast media um, with King George and Victoria. Yes. Now, the world has moved on significantly with regard in transport arrangements, and um, people can get to places which is 30 miles away from them, not 300 miles away from them, yes. uh, so conveniently. Yeah. And so if I had to go to, say, I had to go to Leeds, that would take me probably an hour to get to Leeds. I right. would travel an hour in the car, sure. stand by the route, yeah. and, and see her go by. But now we have a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour journey down to London four hours, no particular arrangements for parking or anything like that, or even going on the trains. The trains will be full by now anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, and I imagine some of the hotels there. will be as well. No, listen, you make a very good point, Patrick, and maybe a lot of people will agree with you that it should have been easier for people to see the coffin um, rather than just being in London to see it. But I guess you could say that uh, the, the people in Edinburgh had an opportunity to see it, which was good. Uh, Glenda says, it's the mall as in mail, not mall. No, it isn't. It's the mall. Some people call it the mall, but they never call it the mail. That's definitely not it at all. So thank you, uh, Glenda, or should I say Glenda. Um, much more for us to do between now and one o'clock when uh, Mr Ian Collins will be here. Coming up, though, uh, we're going to be speaking uh, to Bruno Peake, um, who is a pageant master for the Royals. He was involved for 30 years organising things like the Jubilee Lighting of the Beacons. Fascinating character. We'll talk to him next. On your mobile, on your wavelength, talk radio and talk TV. Vanessa Feltz, weekday afternoons from four on talk radio and talk TV. Let's broaden our minds. Great nostalgia as people think and feel so much about the woman who's been part and parcel of all our lives for 70 years. Intelligent insight in the afternoon. An absolute sock in the solar plexus of sadness. Free speech radio. It's such a shock to all of us. May her dear soul rest in peace. Vanessa Feltz. Weekday afternoons from four on Talk Radio and Talk TV. This is Talk TV News. Good afternoon, I'm Emily Rose Adams. Hundreds of thousands of mourners are gathering in London to pay their respects to Queen Elizabeth. Members of the public are queuing in the capital to see the late Queen lying in state later today, which could stretch four and a half miles. And with up to three quarters of a million people expected, the government has warned the waiting time could be as long as 30 hours. Elsewhere in London, people are also forming long queues on the Mall ahead of the procession at exactly 2.22 this afternoon, which will see Her Majesty's coffin moved from its current position in Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall, where she'll lay in state for four days up until the funeral on Monday. 
King Charles and his sons, Princes William and Harry, will be following that procession and then will attend a ceremony at Westminster Hall shortly after three o'clock, which will be led by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, Royal commentator Sarah Robertson has told Talk TV it will be a tough day for William and Harry. It really is going to bring back those memories that some of us will have had of that very poignant moment. Mm -hmm. 25 years ago, Princess Diana's funeral, when we saw Prince Harry and Prince William, then they were just very young boys with their grandfather, the late Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, and, and their father walking behind their mother's coffin. Now they make this journey again as, as growing men, and in other news, a £50,000 reward is being offered in the hunt for the killer of Olivia Pratt Corbell. The nine-year-old was shot and killed in her home in Liverpool last month. And Merseyside police have so far arrested nine men as part of their investigation. But they've all since been bailed. Olivia's funeral will be held tomorrow. That's all for now. We'll have more in half an hour. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is a massive day ahead. Uh, the King and his sons will walk behind the Queen's coffin this afternoon uh, as she leaves Buckingham Palace for the final time ahead of her lying in state at Westminster Hall for five nights ahead of the state funeral that we've been talking about, of course, on Monday. Um, there will be members of the royal family walking behind the coffin. Um, we'll give you the order of that coming up very shortly but of course it will be the king and his sons initially uh, at the very front uh, of that particular procession uh, we were in the mall earlier uh, we're talking to um, our, our correspondent there uh, Eleanor and we'll come back to her very shortly uh, to talk to some more people but right now let's talk to Bruno Peak, Royal Pageant Master of 30 years Bruno um, welcome to the show very good afternoon to you oh good afternoon on this very sombre afternoon it is sombre. it is a somber afternoon and it's an interesting i think it's been an interesting week you and i spoke on i think it was saturday night um and you obviously you've been involved in 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 doing events for the royal family you were involved very much in the jubilee celebrations organizing the lighting of all those beacons which as i think i said to you at the time was quite a remarkable achievement to do it all without any kind of mishap of any kind and having watched the way that all of the last few days have unfolded. It really has been a lesson in planning, a lesson in, in how to organise anything, really, hasn't it? It certainly has. I mean, as a country, um, and I'm going to say this because I'm proud to be British, nobody can do it like we do. No. And, you know, rehearsals have been going on for this type of occasion for many years. And we have so many experts in the field of different aspects that need to be required for this type of unique event. Mm. That's why it will be a great success and it's been a great success so far. Yes, it really has. And in terms of the um, the, uh, the lying in state at Westminster Hall, um, obviously that's been planned for a very long time. I just had a conversation uh, with um, a, a viewer from, from Yorkshire who said, could it not have been possible to run... Um, the Queen's coffin in the hearse all the way down by road, whereby more people could have perhaps seen it. It could have been something. No, it's not criticism. It's just a, a question, really. Um, um, is there a rule that says you must um, have the have the Queen lying in state in one particular place for that length of time? Well, that that's the way this country does it. It's the way this country's always done it. And 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 to be quite honest, uh, my wife and myself, we're actually going up um, to. Uh, London on Sunday, right, and to 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 join the queue, 
to see Her Majesty laying in state. So, you know, it's going to be a waiting time, but it's going to be something well worth worth it. Yes. You know, we want to be, uh, you know, with all the people around the world who've come to pay tribute to this wonderful woman. So, you know, the trouble with all these types of events is you have to focus on one aspect and what's most important. And the most important thing is that we're all paying tribute to this wonderful woman. The organisation around it has been absolutely perfect and people will be there and it will be something they will will remember for the rest of their lives. Yes, I think that's why so many people want to to, to show their respect because she touched so many people's lives and the more uh, people oh. that we talk to, the more... Uh, widespread that touch seemed to be because so many people actually did meet her because she was at so many different functions she was so available you know when you had the royal um royal visits to different towns and boroughs i can remember meeting her majesty the queen um for the very first time in in the 1960s Mm. when she undertook an official visit to great yarmouth my hometown with herself and the Duke of Edinburgh. Mm. And I organised the decoration of the Royal Route for that occasion. And I was officially presented to Her Majesty, Her Majesty the Queen in the marketplace in Great Yarmouth. Mm. You know, and, I, and all the people in the borough turned out and like all the people who are turning out now from around the world to pay tribute to this wonderful woman. Who, One of the biggest respects I've got for Her Majesty the Queen is that she came to the throne as a young woman. She made a promise, a solemn promise, to serve her nation to the end. Mm -hmm. And she did. By God, she did. And that's one thing we should all be very proud of. And also a real example to young people. You know, here we had a monarch. Who were, you know, who was a young girl at the time, mm. newly married, made a promise and kept it. So all I say to young people today, use Her Majesty the Queen as an example. If you make a promise, keep it. Yeah. I had a call, funnily enough, just this week, Bruno, from uh, somebody who was listening in America, a, a US citizen who said, you know, she gave us so much, and as a, as a, as a, not just as a, as a nation, uh, but as, as a, as a kind of, uh, as a human being. And he said, Absolutely. "I'm, I'm from now on going to live my life more like she would." Yeah, she so, was a beacon of light. Hmm. She was a beacon of light, hope, and peace around the world. She was, you know, from the t- many times I met her, she always made me feel very welcome. You know, I I never felt insecure. She gave me so much confidence and such an example of a a young girl who, as I said, I I know I keep going on about it, but who kept her promise to not just us, but the whole of the Commonwealth. What an example to, to, you know, to, to live by. Yes. She will be sorely missed. Having said that, King Charles III will be a great king, mm. supported by the Queen's consort, Prince William. He will be an amazing king and somebody that we will also be able to rely on and look up to. And I think what we've also learned, I suppose, which you, Bruno, I'm sure already knew, is that the machine of monarchy 
goes on, um, and oh, it would appear to be in to. it would appear to be in pretty good health, wouldn't it? It has to. It has to. I mean, we are the, the, the monarchy of this country is the cornerstone, not just of the nation, but of the Commonwealth too. And you know, the Queen would be the first one to say, "Get on with it. Mm. Move on." You know, just move on. Look to the future. Focus on the future. Carry on building the world together in peace, harmony, and friendship. And that was the person she represented around the world. Yes. One of my favourite stories of the week, I suppose, would be when uh, Sir Ian Botham was talking to Piers Morgan about his remembrances of her. And uh, when he went to get his knighthood, apparently she turned to him and said, I'm not very fond of cricket, so can you talk to me about some of the charity work that you do? (laughs) (laughs) Which is brilliant, you know. Well, she had a great sense of humour. Yeah. Had a great sense of humour. I can remember um, when when the Queen lit the um, the beacon, uh, the Millennium Beacon on Millennium Night from the back of the riverboat of uh, Millennium of Peace. Yes. Uh, we had a bit of a problem with the fuse. And I said to her, would you mind, ma'am, if um, we just shoved it a bit? She said, not at all. We did, and the rest is history. <laughs> so, my, my, no, seriously, though, my lasting memories of Her Majesty the Queen will be on Jubilee night when she lit the principal beacon at Windsor Castle. And as I escorted her back into Windsor Castle, the last thing she did and said, she looked at me with one of those wonderful smiles and just said, thank you. And I'll never forget yeah. that. And what a, what a wonderful final memory to have. Bruno, really appreciate your time and, and enjoy London, enjoy... Um, I'm not saying enjoy queuing up, but you'll enjoy doing your bits, as you always have. Royal Pageant Master, 30 years service to uh, Her Majesty the Queen. Extraordinary times that we live in, ladies and gentlemen. I think it's worth remembering all sorts of things about what the Queen has said, what she's meant to you. We'll be doing this until Monday. um, And some people think it's too much. I don't. I think we must do it. I think we will do it. And there's very good reasons why. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.